Hey, everybody. We love that you're getting some value from the show. Because we are a do-it-yourself podcast, we would ask that you help spread our message so that we can join together and connect with as many people as possible. Thank you so much for your support. And remember, you are the most important part of the show. We at The Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. Hey guys, I'm Cameron. I'm Willie. Welcome to the Other Side of Hell podcast. What's up? What's up? <laughs> uh, how you doing, man? I'm well. Yeah? Yeah. Good. Willie is well. Willie Willie is well. Why is Willie well? That's, that's a lot. Doing, of, doing the work. It's a lot Just of W's. Faith in, faith in the process. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that, Willie, that you mentioned faith. Yeah. Um, because that's what I want to talk about today. Why? What do I want to talk I'm, about? I'm a faithless heathen, heathen. Well. Makes it difficult. Isn't it funny that that's the first thing we think of when yeah. we think of faith? Yeah. Because like, I, I want to talk about faith, but it has nothing to do with religion. <laughs> it's culture. Yeah. Right. It is like, it's a little bit of, of, of what we're, of maybe how we were indoctrinated. Yeah. But, but I mean that. Uh, but, but I still have faith in my life, and I think that that's that's sort of why I wanted to talk about it is because I've just found myself in maybe a, a few situations recently where I've thought, you know, like I need to just trust this situation. Trust. I need to to have faith in the process. I need to understand that if I do these things, that I will get this result. Right. And to me, that's faith. Sure. Right? Isn't isn't it funny that faith and trust like it seems like the same thing, right? But faith, for for me, the word faith has such a negative, uh, right? But trust, oh, I like trust. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and 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 I think it's because what when we think of faith, well, well, I, I will say that maybe our first inclination. To what we think of when we hear the word faith is what you and I had discussed is more blind faith. Yeah. Right? Where it's like, I just have faith that this will happen even if I have decided <laughs> that there is no evidence as such. Zero evidence. Right. But, but it's got to be true. For me, I generally do have to have some sort of evidence. Right. Oftentimes, you know. Yeah. And, and. When I think of faith specifically, I think of, you know, I had to have faith in my recovery, like early on, like, and I still do today, right? Like, I had to have faith that when I, when, when I would look around and I would see the people in recovery and I would hear about people talk about how much time they had, you know, I would think to myself, first of all, like, it was not a, it was not beyond me to think that somebody was lying when they would say that sure. they had, like, five years. Like, sure. I, I called bullshit. I'd be like, <laughs> five years without a drink? I don't think so. Like, why? You're obviously lying. <laughs> yeah. Nobody could go five years. Yeah. Which is funny to think that, that, that it was so far out of, like, a possibility for yeah. me to think of that I would 
much rather believe that somebody would lie about something like yeah, that. Yeah, because like, we look for ourselves and others, right? Right. Yeah, but it was... I mean, it's funny to think of, but, but my point is that when I come back to that and I think about, you know, like what things, what things were like in early recovery, I had to have faith that these people were telling the truth, A, and that if I did what they were doing, I too could get what they had, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so that's the faith that I want to talk about today here on the show. Yeah. So, and there was some specific stuff that came up that, that made you want to talk about this, right? Right, like, right. So. Yeah, like I've just, I, I think uh, I, you, you've you recently gotten a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. I've, I've just sort of plunged into the same thing where I brought, I brought somebody on to tell me what to do. Sure. Right? Somebody that knows more than I do. Yeah. Or at least they're... At least I'm going to trust and believe and have faith that they know more than I do. And I'm going to relinquish control and, ah. and just do what they tell me to. Good job. Yeah. And I do that because evidence has shown me that if I put my faith in them and I put my faith in the process, <laughs> I might get the result that I want. Yeah. Which is what? For me, in this particular instance, with the weight, with with the uh, personal trainer, it's to lose some pounds, right? Sure. Like, and I and I've been on this weight loss journey for a minute, and I've lost some weight. Uh huh. But the last little bit has been so up and down, and I I feel like I'm getting to this point where it's like, okay, I need to bring in a third party. Mm-hmm. And you have a similar situation, right? Sure. With the reason that you brought on a coach. Yeah. And would you say that you've had to do the same thing? Oh, absolutely. Put your faith in this individual. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to like insert the word faith. He's trying to get me to say I got faith. I want it's you. It's so hard for me. I want I want to change your mind about faith. It, yeah. I I trust the process and in, in in you know, I, I too have been on the weight loss journey, but but initially, yes, like like getting sober. Right. I had to have faith in the process. Mm -hmm. Right. I had to believe that what the people were telling me were true. Right. Now, I didn't have any evidence that my sponsor was sober other than what he was telling me, you know, because if he was faking it, he was faking it really well. Yeah, he was really good at it. Like, like, because the alcoholics that I hung out with, like, didn't have homes and, you know, they, they didn't have clean backyards and Harleys and, you know, they weren't respectable and, and, and like well kept and, and shit like that, you know? So like he would have had to have this way crazy persona. And so like right off the rip, I was like, Oh, this guy doesn't really look like he's drunk <laughs> all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't look spun out, but I'm sure he you know? has the occasional. And so, uh, I had to trust that, that he wasn't. And then, with that, you know, like you were saying, I don't know shit about sh- how to stay sober. Like I tried so many different things on my own. All, they're they're all out there, right? Like switching from scotch to brandy, right, and right. only drinking at special occasions, and taking holidays, and you know, you know, all, all the things, and none of it worked, right? You know, and 
I had went through several periods of sobriety, stints, if you will, con- completely went to meetings for years and years and couldn't get more than 30 or 60 days ever at a time, even going to meetings that whole time because I never gave up control. I never, I, I always kind of thought that I could just do it on my own, right? Like, like I, could, I think I could figure this out on my own. And, and the weight loss journey was the same thing. I thought that mm-hmm. I could probably just go through and there's something to be said about turning it over. Right. 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 To giving it up to, mm-hmm. to letting go and, and believing in the process of which you would call faith. Right. Based on, you know, I don't know what your trainer looks like. I haven't seen your trainer or anything like that, but mine is a fucking savage. Like he mm-hmm. looks like he's obviously spent some years working out mm-hmm. you know like <laughs> so right off right out of the gate he looks the part right okay so there's some evidence because i know that you don't look like that without working out right period without having a plan period mm-hmm. you know so yeah you know i have to i have to take a little bit of both you know the evidence of what i see off of the study that i've done myself you know through youtube and reading articles and you know, all the work that my wife and I have done in understanding food and grains and understanding what different things are doing to our bodies and how inflammation works based on the types of food that you eat and, you know, that all that kind of stuff, you know. And let's put addiction on top of that. What do I know about addiction and right. sugar and, and how, you know, certain certain food types can inflame that addictive part of my brain and you know like like fucking pizza like pizza is a perfect combination for addiction for me like it's got everything in it that i can't have without becoming obsessed with what's on my plate right right? so so uh taking all that stuff that i think i know and letting go of it all right that's the important part okay yeah let go of it all. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to trust that whatever this guy is telling me is going to get me the result. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I, I think about it and it, I, I feel like it's easier to see now because we're both down the road a little ways as far as our sobriety goes. But I'm able to think about it now with the food and diet and then sort of go back to how it was, mm. you know, when I was drinking and, and, and when I was first getting sober and I can see the, the same thing, right? Because like, you know, I'll, I'll go in for a meeting with, with a personal trainer and they'll be like, okay, based on what you've told me, are your goals, where you're currently at, some of the habits that you have, this is what I would have you do. This is what I would have you eat. This is how I would have you exercise. And I, I want to take those things and be like, okay, <laughs> but like, I want to do my own version of what this person's recommending. Yeah. Right? Like, and when I was drinking, it was sort of the same way. Like I would, I mean, I went, I went through rehab, you know, and, and I would go to meetings Yeah. I would hear what those people have to say. And then I would, you know, hear those recommendations and I would go, okay, but like, maybe I don't have to go to meetings all the time. I could, I could deal with the not drinking, but 
you know, taking an inventory. I don't know about that. I remember the biggest thing for me, like one of the one of the biggest things for me, is I I had a, a counselor in in rehab tell me about his morning routine. That's what it was. He would talk about how he would get up and he would do like twenty five to thirty minutes of meditation every morning, and I was like, what? Like that's why would you do that? I'm not doing that. There's no way I'm doing that. Like, why? Like, it doesn't even, it doesn't even make any sense to me. You know, yeah. like, why would you do that? And, and it's funny, like, because it seems like such a small and little thing, like, especially down the road where it is a part of my morning. Yeah. You know, but it's like, that's, that's sort of the indoctrinated belief that I have that somehow in my mind, like I know best. Right. Yeah. But I get to turn that over now and be like, okay, you know what? Like, if we're talking about evidence, evidence has shown me that I don't know, I don't know how to life sometimes. Right. You know, like, I got to have somebody show me how to life. <laughs> Certain things. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So, like, luckily, like, I'm able to surround myself with people that I trust, that are trustworthy. <laughs> that maybe have some of the results that I'm after mm -hmm. so that when I have those questions, I can refer to these individuals yeah. and have faith that what they tell me is, is accurate and true. Yeah. Or at least it was for them. And then me trying it is not going to hurt anything. Right. So it's worth discussing, right? Yeah. And you have to try it. You know, I have, I have a feeling that this episode might go a lot more into the food than it does the drugs and alcohol, because that's where we're at right now. Right. And that's okay. You mm -hmm. know, um, addiction is addiction and, and food has definitely proven to be a far bigger problem for me than I ever could have imagined. Sure. Right? Like, oh, yeah. like in the cards are stacked against us when it comes to that, you know, uh, a lot of times, a lot of people can relate with the fact that when you put down the bottle, you pick up the fork. Right. A lot of people can understand that. A lot of people can recognize and understand that when we put down or, or, or when we look back through our lives, you know, the cereal was the first thing we went to, even as children, you know, that sugary deliciousness that we'd sit down and be comfortable with Saturday mornings and eat a, eat a box of cereal. And, Dude, what was your favorite cereal? You know, uh, it turned out... Uh, Ultimately, it turned out to be a mixture of Lucky Charms and Oops All Berries. And I would mix those two together and I would have Oops All Lucky Charms. <laughs> because, you know, I was the same way with drugs, right? Like, there's there's no favorite one. A little bit of, a little bit of Xanax. Yeah, there's no favorite one. It's right. always a cocktail. Yeah. But um, any anything that would tear my mouth apart completely. <laughs> right. But... Uh, you know, it turns into this thing. Well, I get wrapped up in the inability to let those things go on my own. Mm -hmm. Right. This, this, this recovery journey is not something that I've been able to do by myself. Like I've, I've proven that. Right. Right. Absolutely. You know, I've proven that I've proven that I do need other people and it's okay to ask for help and get some coaching, you know, and finding somebody that has some stuff that, that I want based on whatever that is, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like you can, you can find your mentor based on whatever that is, you know? And so, and we have them in different areas. And, and, you know, for me, I have a fitness coach that has also turned out to be quite the mindset coach as well, right. because becoming disciplined in, in food and 
and come in discipline and wake up time and, and work out and all that stuff. I get to be the proof. I get to be the evidence for other people to have faith in the process of getting a coach. Right. And I had someone in my life do that for me, which was my wife. Right. My wife was was on the same journey. You know, we got sober together. We got arrested together. We did this whole thing together, you know, and as I led in sobriety, she followed. And then we tried to get, you know, some we, we tried to get healthy and like I always did my own thing, looking at YouTube videos, like trying different diets and exercise routines and like oh if i just go for 15 minutes or blah 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 you know but it never got me any substantial results well she went and got a coach she went and got a trainer and she started smashing it like everything changed for her and i saw that right and so there was evidence to show that getting someone else in your life you know and, and having the faith that mm-hmm. like she had the faith that it, and I don't know where she got it from but she she did it and I watched her change and then through through watching the videos you know my my coach's videos um I thought if this guy has something that I want and I think if I bite the bullet and I jump on board then perhaps I'll get that thing that I'm looking for mm-hmm. which is some inner peace and self-love and some discipline and you know change my body and everybody in my life will be proud and like i'll feel good about myself and all all those things that i have but it does come from you know for whatever reason we see something that sparks an interest in us right and and then we investigate huh i wonder what that's about right so yeah, I, I I like the I like the topic of faith. It's a very tough one for me. Sure, because like it it would be the same thing if we were to have a topic on God. <laughs> would Would you agree? Uh, well, I mean, the word faith goes so so along with religion. Well, I I know, like, and that's what I mean, like, and. And what I mean when I say that is like when you hear the word God, you have a certain image oh, that comes to mind. So painful for me. Yeah, and when you hear the word faith, you have this same There's sort of thing. A lot of trauma attached to it, like religious trauma attached to it. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. It yeah. seems ridiculous, but as as I get better, you know, it, it didn't seem as ridiculous when mm-hmm. I was super sick in it. Right. You know, but like realizing that that it's still there through simple words like faith like right like, like you, we we can't faith is retarded you can't talk you can't talk about faith you like definitely this. can't say retarded faith is, <laughs> faith faith is faith i have faith that if you say the r word you're going to get crap for it <laughs> faith faith is nonsense Right, but it's not. It's really not. Like well, we just gave some really good examples of faith in our lives. You know, um, one of the one of the arguments for people are like, everyone has faith. Everybody's got faith. Do you think the sun's going to come up tomorrow? Do you have faith that the sun's going to come up tomorrow? And 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 that's a. I have a lot of evidence that shows me that the sun's going to come up tomorrow. Right. 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 So that's a little bit for me. That's different than. It is different, you know, than, than faith. Right. You know, so, uh, 
because it's so it's hard for me to pin down a definition for faith. Sure. Right? Sure. So like as we talk about this stuff, like what do I mean by faith? Faith in my coach, faith in the process, faith in, you know, the future, faith mm-hmm. in, you know, like like what do I mean by that? And how do I how do I use it? How do I demonstrate that? You know? So how how do you how do you go about well, it would seem as though faith, like another word for faith is trust. Yeah. You know, but, but what I, what I think of when I think of the word trust is I think of individuals who have proven themselves to me as trustworthy. Uh-huh. Right. And I, I have been allowed to put my trust in them based on previous behavior and interaction with that individuals. Faith to me seems a little bit different because I get to say that I get to have faith in more of a process or more of something less tangible, right? Like, rather than an individual, I get to have faith in certain actions and certain behaviors will get me certain results, right? I mean, that's sort of what it means to me. Just like, when I mean, because there is such a thing as faith in higher power, and I'm not here to say that anybody that says that they have faith is wrong or is bad or is, right. is anything like I mean, I have many, many family members who have faith and, and they are, they live happy, wonderful lives, you right. know, and I know plenty of people like that. And so like for them, like they have faith that God of their own understanding will take care of them and, and they have faith in different aspects of their life. Well, I have the same faith. I have faith that life will be okay. Uh-huh. I don't know if that's coming from quote unquote God. But I do have faith that, like, everything will work out, you know. But I also know that I have to take certain actions in order for that to be the case, right? And that I have to avoid certain behaviors or else, you know, there's a good possibility that that if I put my faith in the wrong thing, it could lead me to a very yeah. bad place. Because something, you know, that we talked about before is that I had faith in drugs for a very long time. <laughs> that they would produce the result you were looking for. Yeah, that if I made the effort, and by that I mean like if I, if I woke up in the morning and said to myself, how am I going to get that drug today? <laughs> okay. And then I went through the process of finding the money or robbing whoever it was I needed to rob or pawning whatever it was I needed to pawn and I finally got that drug that I wanted, I had faith that putting that substance into my system would give me the result I was after. Right. Now, I will say that towards the end, it didn't work like that anymore. Right. right? Which is how I knew it was time to change. But it didn't keep me from acting on that faith. You know? So now I get to wake up in the morning and say, you know what? Evidence has shown me that if I start my day with 30 minutes of reading, prayer, or meditation, then I'm going to have a better day than if I just woke up and started doing stuff. Gave you enough. You gave you enough to at least start. Right. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> and I, if I set my intention for the day, I'm generally going to have a better day. Mm-hmm. Evidence has shown me, and I have faith. That if I wake up and do some form of exercise for at least 30 minutes, that my brain's going to be, you know, much more in sync with everything that needs to happen that day. 
Those endorphins have been released in my body. I'm just generally in a much better mood throughout the day. And I, I have that faith based on evidence and based on previous action and based on the results I see in the people around me. Like when I talk about hiring this guy, I've actually hired more of a service than an individual, but there is an individual who's, who's sure who I'm working with. And, um, I, instead of, you know, really resonating with that specific individual, I resonate instead with the results that I've seen. Right. Right. Because I've have I have my my wife has already gone through this process. Some people in her family have gone through this process with this individual and this organization, and I see the results in them. Right. You know, so it's like I have faith that this will work if I take the steps they're telling me to take, just like those people before me did. That I will get the same results that they got. You know, and so what is I I what is the definition of faith? Jordan, would you, would you, cause it, as we're talking about it, it becomes a little bit more interesting. Gets, gets, what's so the, what's the precise like, definition? Like, is it faith if there's evidence? Like, is there not like, well, I feel like know? that's why it's called blind faith. Like blind faith means you have faith without evidence. Okay. Well, so according to Google, it says faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Okay. Second one would fall into the religion category, saying strong belief in God or in the doctrines of religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. So what was the first one again? First one was complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Yeah, I can I can get on board with that. Yeah, I remind, I'll remind you that that's the first definition. That's the first definition. I can get behind that. <laughs> I can get behind that. So would you say you have faith? Yeah. yeah. I mean, based on that definition, right, yeah, I have right. quite a bit. But it's the second definition that you associate most commonly with that word. Sure. And that's why it frightens you a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to, want to get into arguments. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I also have faith. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I just think, Jordan. I, 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 don't want to, I don't want to be duped anymore, right? Like, like I, know that I'm not the, I know that I'm not the sharpest tool in the drawer all the time and that... I can be tricked into wasting some of my time based on blind faith. Like, like it's a real thing that you can, that, that there are predators out there, that there are people without other people's best interest in. And unfortunately for me, that was my, my, uh, a big experience with, with religion is that, Mm -hmm. you know, they use the faith bit as, as a tool to, to dupe me into whatever it was they were selling. And I wasted a great deal of my life and it turned out to be unproductive, unsafe. It turned out to just be horrible for me. And so they, they took that trust in something or someone mm-hmm. used it to their benefit and, and put me in a position to where I was left trying to find out what all this meant. And so there, I guess there is some trauma like well, when that when that word comes up, but definition number one, I absolutely have. I right. have that, and you I have that in the podcast. I have that in the recovery movement. My, you know, all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. well, and it's like you said. I mean, the, the the same thing can be said for for trust. We've all we all have situations, individuals, people in our life that we have put our trust in uh-huh. that have then come back to show us that that trust was not 
was not validated, right? Like we shouldn't have had that trust in that individual based on on these new behaviors and these new actions. Yeah. Like, it turns out that maybe our trust was a little bit misplaced with those individuals. And so same thing happens. Like you have faith in this God, let you down. I had trust in this thing, turned out not to be true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I shouldn't be trusting that person. Yeah. Damn, that's on me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm hoping to work past this trauma to learn this lesson and continue to grow. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's all a part of the process. Have faith in it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my coach, my coach always talks about you know working past your trauma. Like everything can be attributed to some type of trauma. We're we're grabbing vices and and uh, you know addictions are are you know he he says that it's not necessarily a disease. It's a discipline problem. It's like we're trying to vice the feeling that we have, right and. I have to I have to believe that if I if I maintain the program that he's put me on, you know, have faith in the program that he's put me on, I can get to a place where I can identify more rapidly when dis-ease is trying to control any situation, right? So when I'm feeling anxious and I want to eat food mm -hmm. to calm that down, if I, if I stay on the program, I'll identify that faster. I'll be able to recognize what's happening and I can get past it without grabbing a vice, which for me is, is food, laziness, sleeping, you know, pornography, uh, spending money, uh, being angry, lashing out, you know, these things are all vices. And if I stay on the program, then I can get through any moment of my life that someone else brings to me, something else brings to me, some something that I can't control. I can control what's going on inside of me and be able to get past that in a healthy manner that's not going to set me back from the vision that I have for myself as a man, mm -hmm. as a father, as a friend, as a, you know, uh, because that's ultimately what ends up happening when I try to do this stuff on my own and I continue to try to do this on my own. And it's not working, right? Like, right. Like if I'm if I'm doing stuff that's not working, and I continue to do stuff that's not working, and try to convince myself that eventually this thing that I'm doing is that's not working. It's like it's like trying to heal a wound by stabbing it again. Like, sure, sure. I just I know that it's gonna work, and if if, if I get somebody that says, hey, maybe maybe you should stop fucking stabbing that wound and i trust that they're what they're saying is true and the wound heals you know that gives me evidence that i can trust them you know all that stuff but uh i forget what i was going to say like I'm, I'm coming around to like i have to get to a point where the i can heal the trauma without vices mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right i have to find a program i have to find someone who can teach me how to do that stuff because i didn't figure any of this out on my own right right like i don't know that i would have ever walked if i didn't see other people walking i don't know that i would have ever talked if i didn't hear other people talking like my entire life i don't know that i would have trauma if i didn't have other people giving me trauma mm -hmm. you know and so so everything that i am and everything that i have is a, a is a direct result of some response to something that's happened in my life and I do believe that it's going to turn out okay because mm -hmm. it always has, mm -hmm. you know, 
and faith, trust, trust, faith, faith, trust, trust, faith. Yeah, they're they're definitely very very closely related, and I and I think you know back back to what you were saying is I feel like that's the goal for everybody, right? Is like I want to be able to just deal with shit in a healthy manner. <laughs> Like, period. Dung. Yeah, like, that's the goal. Like, yeah. I, I, I want to have inner peace. Like, if you had to ask me, like, Cameron, what do you want most in life? I would say inner peace. A. B, I want to be able to deal with shit in a healthy manner. <laughs> right? Like, and you like to think if I had A, I wouldn't need B. Sure. You know? But, like, I mean, ultimately, like, that's the goal. Like, because you, we do have these things that, that come up in our lives that spark some sort of trauma that we might have for whatever reason. In your case, religious trauma. In my case, it might be, you know, little brother syndrome or, or whatever sure. the case is. But both are valid points, right? And, and we don't get to decide our trauma, but our trauma is actually real. It is valid, right. Right? no matter what it is, like big or little, right? And those traumas might lead us to have certain survival patterns that have worked for us in the past. You know, we might look for that cookie for some sort of comfort in this situation because it's uncomfortable or whatever the case is. But ultimately what we want to be able to do is to not look for that cookie yeah. and to just deal with these emotions, right. you know? And so like you going through this process with this individual or a coach or whatever the case is, like it's good that we are at least at this point in our lives, like despite our trauma that we do understand that if we, are met with these specific individuals who have maybe a little bit more experience or for whatever reason we've gravitated to them we trust in them enough to have faith in their process that we will hopefully get the result that we're after right and so i mean if there's one thing we should have faith in it's that our trauma cannot hold us back from trusting others right that's maybe the one thing that we we should not allow our trauma to do if we can trust these other people and put our faith in what it is they're showing us, then maybe we can actually yeah. deal with shit without that negative without destroying ourselves. Right, right. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's all I'm looking for, dude. Like, this last little bit, like, with food has been so, it's been so interesting. And it's like you said, like, at some point, you have to get to a point where it's like you really analyze what it is you're doing. And you can't keep doing the same thing expecting a different result, right? Right. And so it's like, in my case, it's like, first of all, like, what I'm doing is probably not nearly enough. And second of all, like, at some point, I've got to decide to change my approach. Sure. Right? Like, okay, Cameron, you've, you've shown that you can't do this on your own. It's time to change your approach. And sometimes that can be a hard pill to swallow. Oh, big time. It's like, I don't, I don't want to admit that I don't know enough about this subject to do it by myself. And it's like, well, you might, in my case, it's like, I might know everything I need to know, but I, I need to let go of all that shit because it's not doing anything for right. me. Like knowing everything in the world about nutrition, about exercise, about all that stuff doesn't seem to be making a difference right now because I sabotage despite knowing all that information. Yeah, all the, yeah. Which just makes it sting even more. Yeah. Like I know exactly how bad it all is for me. And it just stings a little bit more. So it's like, okay, I, 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 from, this moment, from this moment forward, I relinquish control. I have faith in this individual. I will do what you tell me. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it, it really does just harken back to like those early days in recovery. It's like, same thing. Like for you it sounds like it was similar for you than it was for me, right? Like I went through treatment. 
I went through once. At this point, I've decided I have a problem. I'm in treatment, for God's sake. Yeah. <clears throat> I get out of treatment, and I go back out. And at that point, I know exactly how harmful all this stuff is for me. It's no longer fun. It Like, every fun, every ounce of fun that there ever was with it has now been removed, right? They say it in meetings all the time. Like, you can't have a belly full of liquor and a head full of AA. Yeah. You're just not going to have fun that way, right? So it's like it used to be the same thing. Like, it was just that much more miserable, that much, like just more self-sabotage-y. Is that a word? Like, can yeah. I say that? Yeah, you can say it. Right. We know what you mean. All right. I mean, it was just that much more destructive, right? Uh-huh. And, and yeah, like, so I had to come to that situation with that much more surrender and that much more humility. Yeah. And be like, okay, <laughs> I, I may think I know, but I obviously don't know. I relinquish control. I find some trustworthy individuals and say, please tell me what to do. And it's not forever. It's just for for now, mm-hmm. for today, right? For today, yeah. I let go for today, and take it one day at a time. Yeah, and uh, enough to where you start gaining faith in yourself, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You start finding that you can trust yourself to make that next right choice, and make that next right choice. And and I think that's a big part of faith and trust. I guess now that now that we're talking about it is is you know believing in yourself mm-hmm. you know it mm-hmm. take it takes a great deal of trial and error trial and error mm-hmm. trial and error to to get to where you can trust yourself right like god the food was so fucked up for so long oh, yeah. you know once we decided that we were going <clears> to <throat> you know go no fast food it was driving past every fucking fast food place was a nightmare and then going grain free, you know, like Jesus Christ, that's all you see, you know. And and the more stuff that uh, we eliminated, the the more you see this shit, you know. It's just the every time you make the next right choice is a demonstration that you can do the next right choice. Mm-hmm. And when you make the next right choice and you do that consistently, whether it's in the way you're spending your finances or the way that you're treating your spouse or the, the way that you're treating yourself, the way that you're, you know, putting things into your body or, or your meditation program, you know, getting up and doing a half hour of meditation every day, I'm sure it wasn't easy for you right off the rip, right, right, right out of the gate. It wasn't easy, you know, and that's, that's the thing is it's, this stuff isn't easy. It's worth it. You know, right. we say that over and over and over again and i guess finding the faith that that it is going to be worth it based on the result the other person has had Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. because i have never seen actual evidence sufficient evidence to, to prove the existence of a god when i go back through my life and i look for what people had told me would be evidence it wasn't sufficient for me to have faith in a deity. But what ended up happening was, as I looked for evidence for the process working, I did find evidence over and over and over again to the point where I have faith in mankind. I have mm-hmm. faith in the process of these things. I I do believe that we are a great and powerful species, that our capacity for love and our capacity for self-preservation is, is beyond measure. 
and that we can help each other out on a large scale on on much bigger scale than than i ever imagined but it wasn't easy at first right it came through a great deal of pain so much pain and putting my faith in the wrong things you know putting putting like hoping for stuff on the other side of that I could take something from out there and put it in here Mm -hmm. and make me okay, Mm -hmm. you know? And that came in the form of, of God. Like I was hoping I could take a God from out there and put it in here and then I would be okay. And it came in the form of drugs and I was hoping I could put drugs in here and food, sex, money, blah, 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 blah. And, And it never worked. But, but, when I, when I started to hear the message from other people saying, no, the answers are inside. Right. It's an inside job. The answers are inside. And when you go inside for the answer and then let it go out into the world and you share that, then you're healed. It's not taking from there and putting inside to be healed. It's going in here and giving out there that you're healed, you know, and experimenting with that, mm-hmm. right, over and over and over again. Because I fall down, man. Sure. You know, oh, yeah. Bang my head, peanut butter, you know. <laughs> <laughs> fall, <laughs> fall short. Yeah. You know, to cravings. and. Mm. But there are, are some things that I've never done again, you know. Uh, I stopped praying a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Because I had faith that I didn't need to, you know. Well, you had I, faith in something else, right? I, like, what do you mean? Well, when when you and I have had higher power conversations, like you you talk about your higher power being people, people, people more than you, M- more than just me. Yeah, like, you and I are power greater than exactly I. like you and me. So like you have faith in that. Yeah. Right. So you, you put your faith in that and remove it and remove it from prayer. Yeah. But I prayed for most of my life. Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. I had faith that it was going to get me somewhere. And it did. It got me fucking miserable, right? But that's, that's me. That's not everybody's story, you mm-hmm. know. For a great many people, prayer is a, is a place of comfort and, and um, all that stuff. But I had, the, I had faith that if, if, if I stop this behavior, I'll get better. It will produce the result, and and it did. You know, the sometimes stopping things, having faith that if I stop certain things, you, despite, you know, like like the cookie, you know, right. you'll have some people tell you like you will fucking never, you're never gonna have a cookie again. How how, what do you, you know, if you have enough, if you believe that, you know, like you can stop that behavior and be okay then you can stop that behavior and be okay. Mm-hmm. It just, it takes experimentation, right? And and it's okay for this stuff to change over time. Mm-hmm. You know, I may go back to prayer someday. Sure. You know, I have to be open to that stuff. Right, I have right. to, I have to be open to, to the change that, that comes along with this new way of life. Right. You know, I have to be. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, like as you were talking, I'm 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 thinking, you know, that there's there's definitely times in our life where we have to take a leap of faith, right? Like yeah. Jordan Jordan has recently taken like quite a leap of faith 
and you know quit his stable job in order to enter into something that's hopefully going to make him a little bit more happy and and it's scary right like it's not easy oh yeah it's it's definitely not for the faint of heart you know it, it tests your it tests how much uh self-control you have over not losing your shit every couple minutes sometimes <laughs> for sure but i mean you you did that because you have faith you have faith that you'll be okay right right well i didn't have i i had i had enough you know humility to accept whatever the outcome would play out to be but i had faith based off of the evidence that if i didn't make this change i had enough faith to realize i'd regret not taking the leap mm-hmm. trust in something or someone right faith yeah and be you, you you trusted and had faith in the fact that you would be miserable you yeah i mean it, it became it became a point for me where you know um the fear of failing was no longer outweighed by the fear of staying the same and not trying. Right. So there was comfort and stability with, with where I was with my job. But when I was being real with myself and saying, okay, well I've been here almost 11 years now and I know what another 11 years is going to look like. (laughs) Am I okay with that? And the answer was an immediate resounding no. (laughs) I am not, but yeah. I am okay with going and trying. And I was like, and then I had to ask myself, okay, now if I fell miserably, if this just bombs, am I going to be okay with that? And it wasn't an instant no. It was, we'll make it work. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll make it work is all I needed yep. for now. Yep. It's good enough. Good enough. Yeah. I, little I, little yeah. seeds. Yeah. I, I love, I love, I love hearing shit like that because it really is like sometimes we we get to touch or tune into that higher version of ourselves right. right that wants like the best for us that is telling us to go out and do something but it's so easy to stifle that because of fear i mean i feel like it always comes down to fear but really like in jordan's case he was he was able to play that through yeah. and say what's the worst thing that could happen and when he thought about like the absolute worst thing that could happen he got to say to himself we could make that work. I could <laughs> yeah. work with that. Yeah. And so it's like, boom, there you go. That maybe that's all we need for faith. It's like, if, if, uh, I hire this individual or this company or whatever it is. And I decide that, you know, like, because there is some fear with it. Like, it seems like I've been struggling to, to, to have any sort of consistency with anything lately, mm-hmm. you know? So I do have fear. Like, well, what if this isn't going to work? Well, what if, and, and I can do that with about anything in my life. Right. But there is some fear with it. But if I have faith, I can at least say, well, what if it what if it doesn't work? Well, I guess I'll just keep trying something until yeah. something works, right? Because yeah. I have faith that something will work. And so I have to just keep investigating, keep experimenting, keep trying things. And, yeah. And definitely, like, definitely don't give in to the alternative, yeah. which is give up. <laughs> because what does that look like? Yeah. It looks like death. Misery. Yeah. Like, and I've been there. Like, yeah. You know what's worse than death? Misery. Yeah. Because I could be miserable for the rest of my 40 years. Yeah. Another 40 years. Yeah, exactly. Looking back on, I didn't even try. (laughs) Right. You know, and and in every, in, in any endeavor, like, I think it's so important that you give it 100%. Right. right. And, and, and what I mean by that 
is your hundred percent is going to look different every day. It really is, mm. you know? And so I've been on this program for, for four months. I've had more results in four months because I've given it a hundred percent. And the, and the reason is it goes back to what something, one of my early sponsors told me, he said, if you give it 100% and it doesn't work out, you gave it 100% and it didn't work out. You give it 80% or 60% and it doesn't work out, you will always fucking know that you left shit on the table. And if you leave it on the table, you will always regret not giving it 100%. And when I started this recovery process this last time, I gave it 100% and I've been sober ever since. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Everything that I've put 100% into has worked out even when it didn't work out. Right. Right? Right. Everything. You know? And so... Having having the faith in one hundred percent is is a big thing, you know. Trusting that one hundred percent will work, you know. This morning, my burpee game was not the same <laughs> as my burpee game was yesterday, right? But I gave it a hundred percent, you know. And I think that's what's I think that's what's super important with with any of this stuff, you know. You you getting. Uh, a coach, you know, I think that's very admirable and, and I appreciate that you're doing that because I think what's going to come out of the other side of that, if you give it 100% is an incredible change, you know, something that can't be denied that, you know, hopefully some of our listeners and some of our viewers can see, you know, people that follow you on your Instagram, they'll look at and they'll see, and they'll be like, Holy fuck. Look, look, look at the change that has happened. The visual change. Look at the way that he's talking now, the way that he's walking now, the way that he looks. Look look at this. Maybe I should get a coach. Sure, sure. Well, and and, and I will say, you know, like in, in that case, like while we're talking about that, like one of the reasons why I made that decision was because you had gotten a coach and my wife had both gotten a coach. And you're both seeing really, really good results. And it's like, okay, universe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sometimes that's how it is. Yeah. Like, sometimes it's like, okay, I feel like something out there, God. Yeah. I'll say God just to freak you out. Yeah, you can <clears throat> say it. Like, right, right. As long as I don't have to have one. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it, it does. It feels like, okay, all the signs are there telling me to do something. Yeah. Like, if this is the result I want, then this is the action I take. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's... It's been uh, it's been cool. I'm excited. I'm nervous, but I, I am yeah. also excited. And I think the fact that I'm nervous means that it's the right thing to do. So. Sure. Well, yeah. But I mean, sure. talking about 100, um, percent I feel like our war story today <laughs> is somebody who gave 100. Uh, oh man, especially on the other side of like her recovery, like this girl has, all out. has put it in, put yeah. in some work. Yeah. We're talking about Sarah. Sarah. Sarah is our war story today. Um, the author of and, uh, yeah, Sober as Fuck. Sober as Fuck. That's yeah. right. Um, she's she's pretty amazing, man. Uh, she she put in 100% into her partying, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I loved, I loved her story, you know. Yeah, I loved great. her delivery of it. Uh, I've been to a rave or two, you know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have called myself a candy kid, but, you know, been, yeah. been to a party. Kind of took me been, back a little bit. Been to a been to an abandoned building. Yeah, bumping out. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't like huge in that scene, but I definitely did it a couple of times, and so I can, I, you know, what I I really appreciated about her telling her story is I could visualize it the whole yeah, way through, so. 
and she i mean she paints a, a perfect picture of it yeah and you can definitely sort of just be there with her and observe the insanity as yeah. it's taking place like by the way that she yeah. tells it uh, the, the pre-game yeah show. man remember talking about pre-gaming on the car on the way there yeah and, and just the the insanity that comes with uh more and more and more and more right? yeah and she definitely had that and, again blackout yeah you know uh-huh. and yeah. and how dangerous like fuck it's so dangerous Ugh. it's it's crazy to me to think that there's just these so many instances in my lives or our lives or her life where we just don't know yeah i have, I have no idea what happened in that amount of time yeah and it could have been worse whatever it was it could have been worse you know all all the way to the point you know she she collapsed at a party and you know luckily there there were medical tents there right yeah she was at a rave she was at that a big apparently a huge like Mm -hmm. huge event and uh, I'm sure she wasn't the only one there that night I imagine there were people that did lose their lives that night Mm -hmm. because it's such a big event but uh, she got to live long enough to tell her story, get on the other side of it. And now her movement, you know, she, she mentions towards the end of it, she wants to be the faith or the, the faith, the face of young people in recovery. And I think that's a very noble and, and legit goal. That's right. You know, I think that's awesome. So she sounds pretty amazing. I think you guys are going to dig it too. I can't wait to share her story with you. So. Without further ado, here is Sarah's War Story. All right. Hey, everyone. My name is Sarah Ordo. I am so freaking excited to come tell you guys my war story of recovery today. Um, It's so awesome hearing how people come back from their low point and the shit they go through in life to get into a place in recovery where you can have that amazing life that seems like it's so far out of reach sometimes. So I was your typical party girl binge drinker. Um, I couldn't just drink to have a drink. I was a blackout drinker through and through. Every single time I drank, I would drink to the point of blacking out. And the thing that was really dangerous for me was that I was not the blackout drinker that would get sloppy and like pass out or fall asleep eventually. I was like full functioning in my blackout, which as you can imagine, got me into a lot of dangerous situations. I would go places, do things, and I would have zero recollection of any of it. And at the same time, I would talk to people afterwards and they'd be like, oh my God, you didn't even seem that drunk. And I would not remember seeing them, speaking to them. They would tell me I was places I wouldn't even know I was at. So it really just became this toxic cycle. And the reason I can say I started drinking, I had my first drink when I was around 12 years old when I first tried it. And from there I drank regularly until the point when I was um, 26. So I was a numbing drinker. I, I definitely drank to numb out pain, trauma, the things I didn't want to feel in my life, the things about myself I didn't want to deal with. And that led me into this blackout cycle, which um, what ultimately got me out of it was definitely a rock bottom. Um, I know some people don't have to have that rock bottom to get sober, but I definitely did. Um, My mother begged and pleaded with me for years to stop drinking. And, you know, as anyone listening that struggled with addiction knows, they can cry, they can beg, they can plead, they can hand you every resource in the book, but until you're ready to actually do it, you're not going to do it. 
And so for me, what that took was I was really into the EDM electronic music scene here in the Detroit area where I'm from. And we went to a uh, music festival every summer called uh, DEMF, Detroit Electronic Music Festival. And it basically was the epicenter of drinking drugs and partying and DJs. There were all night after hour parties. Like it was some of the wildest partying we would do all year. They would take warehouses in Detroit and turn them into all night raves. So it was it was pretty wild. And it was obviously my favorite time of the year because we could just go balls to the wall with everything. And so on this particular day it was May 24th, 2015. I went downtown and I had my typical pregame in the car on the way down. I drank about three quarters of a fifth of tequila on my way there. Um, once I got down there, I had taken an Adderall because I would just take anything at that point. Um, we had to wait in a really long line. I ended up making friends with people in line and leaving with two guys to walk to a liquor store where I bought another pint of vodka and chased it with a 40 of Mike's Hard Lemonade came back to the line, was drinking with the people in front and behind me in line, whatever they had. Um, and I don't remember getting into the festival at all. Uh, one of my friends that was with me uh, told me afterwards, she even sat me down at one point and was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just, I'm good. Like, let's go in. Um, so everything beyond this point is what my friends, doctors, nurses, people have told me um, since I have zero recollection of any of it, but I got into the festival bought myself another drink, um, was dancing at one of the DJ stages, and someone saw me talking to a guy with long hair. She said at first she couldn't tell if we were making out. We were so close, but we were like whispering back and forth. Um, and she saw me hand him a wad of cash, and he shoveled like a handful of pills into my mouth, and I took them. So obviously, I was already at such a high blood alcohol level, and then I took this cocktail of drugs on top of it that I had no idea what I was taking. Um, and my body ultimately just started shutting down within about 15 minutes. So I turned around in the crowd, um, grabbed onto the t-shirt of someone we were with and dropped to the concrete. And he picked me up. They took me over to the grass. I was kind of heaving. So they thought maybe I just needed to throw up or something. Um, and they were like, no, you're good. You're fine. They gave me some water, stood me up. They turned around and I literally collapsed again onto the concrete. And my eyes were starting to roll back into my head. Um, so someone picked me up ran me to a medic tent at the front of the festival. Um, they said I was in there for about five minutes. The nurse came back out and was like, she's out. She's going to the emergency room. We're calling an ambulance right now. So I was loaded into a ambulance strapped down. Um, the only and the craziest part to me, the only thing I remember from this entire night, it's completely black. I can't see, like, I don't remember any visual of it, but I remember hearing a woman's voice that just kept saying, sweetie, what did you take? What did you take? And I was trying to like sit up. Obviously I was stretched out or uh, strapped down in the ambulance to the, the bed. And I remember being feeling like pressure on my chest because I was held down. And I just remember her voice kept being like, no, like, what did you take, sweetie? What did you take? That's the only thing I remember from the entire time. Um, I ended up seizing and biting halfway through my tongue at some point in the ambulance. Um, when I got to the hospital, they were losing my pulse. It was getting faint. When they finally got me to the hospital, um, I actually almost went into cardiac arrest because my heart rate and everything skyrocketed so high. 
they determined that I had such a high blood alcohol level and that I had taken such a lethal combination of drugs. I had uh, ecstasy, I had MDMA, and I had taken ketamine as well, which a lot of people um, don't know, but ketamine is like commonly used in animal tranquilizers. So I'm a pretty tiny girl as well. I'm about 115, five feet tall. So for me to take that much in is a pretty ungodly amount of things. Um, and so I, you know, got admitted into the emergency room. They finally stabilized me somehow and obviously had to flush everything out of my system. They had me restrained. Um, by the time I actually like came to and knew, like realized what was going on and where I was, um, I was trying to rip IVs out of my arms. I was trying to pull sensors off of my chest because I was being monitored for cardiac arrest still. Um, I was screaming, I was terrified. I had no idea where I was, what had just happened. Um, and I literally had a doctor come in and say to me, like, do you, do you realize what just happened? And I think in the moment I was still so, I resorted to the way I had always been when I had crazy nights. Like I would, oh my God, I had this crazy drunk night. And I think I was like, oh wow, yeah. Like I do know it had like something I did too much. And, and they were looking at me like, your body was literally shutting down on itself and we don't know how you hold through this. And I don't think it fully clicked with me right away at all. Um, I ended up leaving the hospital. I was barefoot. I had no keys, no shoes. Um, I had makeup running down my face because someone had poured water on me at some point. Um, I had none of my belongings. My purse was gone. And at that time, it, it still didn't click. I was trying to confront, convince one of my friends to go to an after hours party with me to find the people we had been with because I was like, oh yeah, let's just go find them. Let's keep, like, I was still gonna keep going. Um, and honestly, it, it, I think it really hit me the next day. Um, after I was home, I was out of the hospital and everything. Obviously they kept me overnight just for observance because they couldn't let me go until all my vitals were stable. Um, so that next, next day when I got out and I wanted to go to that after hours party in the morning and they were like, no, you can't do that. Um, I think the first time it actually hit me, I I went to my mom's house first afterwards and seeing my mother so upset, crying, holding me was definitely like, and hearing her say, you know, like I, I thought I lost my daughter, like was very eye-opening. And I remember the first time I went home to my apartment and I walked in and I had this very strange moment where I was like standing in the doorway of my apartment and I was looking around at everything and realizing like how everything would have been left had I not survived and seeing things like the grocery list like scribbled on the, the refrigerator, the, you know, the pillow I had just slept on, like, and thinking about what my, what my mom would come in there when they made her come clear out my things and thinking about like what she would have kept to remember me by and thinking like, would she have kept my pillow? Cause it was the last thing I laid on and maybe it smelled like me. Like, would she keep this last note I wrote with my, like, it was just very, very crazy. And I remember sitting on the floor in the, just the doorway of my apartment for hours, just crying on and off and realizing like, I could be gone right now. Like this was too much, this was too far. And it was the worst feeling in the world having to sit down and send out apology letters and messages to my friends, my family that, you know, were trying to call the hospital and they would tell them nothing because they can't tell that over the phone. People didn't know if I was dead. If I was alive, they wouldn't even tell my mom if I was dead when she was calling. They just said that I had been admitted. So having to 
apologize to people that were scared shitless that you were dead and were trying to figure out what was going on was the worst feeling in the world having to put them in that place. And that literally is the last drop of alcohol I've ever had. I've been sober since that next day. Um, it was May 25th, 2015 is my uh, sober anniversary. I just had my five year anniversary um, not too long ago. and. It's been hard. It's been so worth it though. It's definitely not, I didn't get sober and it was easy and that was it. Uh, once I got sober, it definitely brought out a lot of the trauma, a lot of the experiences with sexual assault, rape, abuse I had been through that alcohol had normalized for me for so long that I just brushed off as being, you know, another crazy drunk experience when they were things that were really, you know, leaving a mark on me and fucking me up in the long run. So. I had a lot of healing to do. I had a lot of therapy to do. I found my faith again. I had to fix a lot of relationships, but I can say the journey of my getting sober, the first two years were a roller coaster and an absolute mess. Um, and I didn't even open up to seeking actual help until I was almost a year sober. And I, that was the biggest mistake I made in the beginning was thinking I could just do it on my own and thinking that I was, I was strong enough. I could do this. I didn't need anyone else. Um, and once I became open to the therapy, the help, the community and realizing how much support there was and how much easier it could be with that support, I only wish I would have been open to it sooner. Um, but I can say at five years, like, I, my world is different. No one would know me now if they knew me back then. They wouldn't even think I'm the same person. Um, and what I've been able to do with my sobriety has definitely been the most rewarding part. I had a YouTube channel. I wanted to be a beauty blogger back in the day like every girl wanted to. And I made a video around 30 days sober on my beauty channel on YouTube. I didn't know why I was doing it. I didn't know where, what was going to happen with it. Like I really had no plan. I just sat down with my cell phone and recorded a video and kind of like rambled on about how I quit drinking and, and I was changing my life and very naive to it all. Like, yeah, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to get sober. And it's so funny because I've, I've made a video for every milestone up into five years. Like if you go on YouTube, you can watch them all in order, which I'm so glad I did it. I didn't know why I was doing it, but I'm so glad I did it because you can watch the change over the years in me as I got farther along in my sobriety. But when I posted that first video, a lot of people started commenting, sending me emails, contacting me, you know, saying like, oh my God, I'm just like you. Oh my God, I'm the same way. Like I need to stop drinking and I know that. And I started to see this community of, you know, obviously men, women of all ages, but all of a sudden I saw this like up rising of a lot of young women. And that was something I realized early in sobriety was there weren't a lot of people like me talking about sobriety. I saw a lot of older people, a lot of um, men, a lot of older women, but there was nobody around my age talking about it. I was 26 and I was newly sober. Like this is when everyone really gets into drinking in the first place and really starts navigating that world. And I was still figuring out who I was as an adult. And I couldn't find anyone like me talking about it. And all these people started contacting me. So I started a blog and I would just write little blog posts and more people kept reaching out, reaching out. And then I actually ended up having a dream 
And in my dream, I found a book on the floor. And when I opened the book, it was all pictures of me drunk and wasted, like glassy eyed, sitting on the floor in a parking lot, all these photos of me that were actual like real photos that I have. And when I looked at this book, I, I realized it was my words in this book that I found. I literally woke up, I went to therapy, told my therapist about it. And I was like, am I supposed to read a book? Like, what, am, what do I do? What am I doing here? Is this a sign? And she was like my biggest cheerleader on it. And she said, you know what, if you don't even do anything with it, just think about how therapeutic that might be for you to process through everything and write it out and get your emotions out and just put it on paper. And I self-published my first book. It's called Sober as Fuck. And I did it in about six months because I set a crazy deadline to get it out on my two-year sober anniversary. So I wrote this book all about what it had been like going through the first two years, the hard parts, the finally being open to getting help and all the growth and realizations I had within those first two years and figured out how to self-publish it, put it out there to the world and it took off. And it was crazy because like I knew at first my friends and my family were going to buy it because obviously like, you know, someone that writes a book, like, of course you're going to order it. Like, oh my God, we're so proud of you. But the, the reason, and when I started to see it really start to shift and take a new direction was when people from all over the world, people I don't know, strangers, I had a mother send me an email saying she sent it to her son when he was in a detox facility. I had women reaching out to me saying, you know, they've been in and out of jail with DUIs and they found this book and they feel like maybe now they can do it. And I started to realize the impact that sharing my story and speaking about this was having on people. And I just became absolutely obsessed with it. So it kind of became my mission from there on out to, you know, obviously write books, share my story, put out content. But I, I really wanted to show people that a young woman could get sober at a young age, still change her life and still have this amazing, fun, beautiful life without alcohol in it. Because so much of young people's, you know, in the media, everything, there's such a heavy presence of alcohol in so many things we're doing. Like girls can't go to brunch without bottomless mimosas. Like we just get this like brainwashing that everything has to have alcohol involved. And so it really became my mission to be like, look, I'm, I have friends, I'm having a beautiful life. I'm building businesses, I'm successful and I'm sober because I was, I was so bothered by people having stereotypes about people that were living in sobriety, being sick, wrong, damaged, weak, you know, having all these issues. And, you know, yes, we may still have those issues, but I, it became my challenge to just be like, I wanted to change the face of what a young woman living sober could look like to people. And so I became obsessed with all that. I became obsessed with writing books. I have um, nine books on Amazon and Kindle now. My first um, book just went on Audible today, actually. It's called Not Sorry. It's my most recent one. But I talk in all of my books about sobriety, obviously. Um, I talk a lot about personal development. And I, I talk in all of my books about how none of this would have ever been possible without my getting sober which I think is something I am so grateful for because when I realized the impact and the influence I've been able to have on other people and the messages I've been able to get out there, it would have never happened had I not had that night, had I not hit rock bottom, had I not decided that was enough and it was finally time to change my life because I was lucky enough to still be here and realize that there was a reason I was still here. I had a bigger 
purpose that I hadn't met yet. I had some, a lot of things that I still needed to do and I still needed to say. And so that honestly just is where this has gone. Now I'm just, I'm all over social media. I have a podcast called Her Best Fucking Life. I have YouTube videos. I have coaching programs. I host events here in the Detroit area for female empowerment. They're called Her Best Fucking Brunch events. Um, I've just kind of like gone on this crazy entrepreneurial journey now. And it all started from my first book, Sober as Fuck. It all started from me getting sober. Um, and I always tell people, you it was it was a horrible experience yes like i had to hit that rock bottom i had to basically break down to nothing to take the pieces of what my life had been and rebuild it into something new but i tell people all the time now when they like oh my god that sucks that you had to go through that oh like don't you wish that that never happened and i say all the time now like you couldn't pay me to take that away now like you couldn't pay me to not go through that you couldn't pay me to not have that growth because had I not, I wouldn't have realized my strength. I wouldn't have realized how much opportunity there was for me still, how much of a life there was for me still, and how much I was missing out on because I was so caught up in drugs and alcohol and partying at, at such a young age. And it, it makes me, like, I'm so grateful for all of it, but there's times where it makes me like really reality checked where I'll be doing something or I'll be somewhere and I'll have this voice like come up in the back of my head that'll just remind me like you could have missed this and I swear like I hear it every single time like something amazing is happening or I, I you know I'm in a beautiful place like in the mountains or by water or something like I always have that moment where it's like I could have missed this and I always take a second in that moment to just like stop and say right back like thank you God for this moment because I realize how much more there still was for me. And I'm just so grateful that I got to be here for it and share my story and even be here talking to you right now on this podcast and just sharing what I went through for something bigger and beyond anything I could have ever seen for myself in my life. Um, so if you guys want to check out my story, if you guys want to connect, uh, my website is sarahordo.com. All of my books are on Amazon and Kindle. Um, like I said, I have one book on Audible so far. I'm hoping to get the rest of them on there as well. Um, my podcast is Her Best Fucking Life. But yeah, come connect with me because I, I love meeting people. I love hearing their stories. I love building this sober community, especially with younger women, because I think it is such a strange new thing to navigate for a lot of people. And I'm super active on Instagram. So definitely come check me out there. Uh, but I want to thank you guys for listening to my story today and sharing in my journey and hearing my war story and how I was able to take it and make it into something bigger and better to serve and use my purpose for something more in life. Amazing. Yeah. Bam. I know. I like, I like audible. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I'm a, <laughs> so, I'm a big audible. Guy. So I'm glad she's got some stuff on there and Kindle, you know? Yeah. I think I, I, I don't remember the last time I read a book. I read the AA book every day. Yeah. And maybe that's all. Everything else. I like to I like Audible. to read along with Audible. So yeah, it's good to have a book too. The stuff that I do do, but you know, great story. You and still I, do do. <laughs> great story, and I do appreciate everything that she's doing for young people in recovery right now. You know, her her story and her delivery of it is definitely a testament to the fact that that all this stuff is working for people that mm -hmm. are working it mm -hmm. right you know yeah. i just i mean i mean 
it's like I said, you know, before I just, I, I can just totally see that playing out. And she yeah. talks about just getting up from that. Obviously she, I mean, she almost died, you know, and, and getting up from that situation, you know, no shoes, hair's a mess, makeup's running and she's ready to go back out. And it's like, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, that's, well, yeah. that's what it's like, you know? And yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's crazy to me. And just, to sort of follow her, you know, through that and like her walking through her apartment. Yeah, that was really pretty powerful. To, to have that kind of clarity and, and put yourself in your mother's shoes of like imagining walking in as your mom after mm-hmm. your daughter died and like the pieces that are left behind and, and having that kind of empathy, you know, that's amazing. You know, she didn't, she hasn't drank since. Yeah. Like that was enough for her her rock bottom was was that you know and she said you know it it took her a little bit a little while to process that and and i recognize that you know i there's been many times in my life that it's taken me a while to process the severity of of where i was at and how fucking lucky i am that i'm at where i'm at oh yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah, well, it's funny because I hear stories like that, and it and it reminds me of how lucky I am. Yeah, because it was definitely you know there was definitely many of my own situations that didn't look exactly like that, but some sort of version of the same insanity, yeah. right? That should have killed me too. Yeah, it so. it trips me out when I think about my overdose, you know, because I di- I didn't pay any attention to it. It's like meh. Yeah, and I never paid any attention to it, and and it takes stories like hers that are like fuck i i tried to commit suicide you know mm-hmm. like i took a bunch of fucking pills and woke up in a hospital shit in black yeah you know and and like i forget about that stuff you know that that, that we were there we yeah. were on the edge of death mm-hmm. many times and today you know we have people like sarah that are sharing a story in a manner that I feel like anybody that's been through this kind of thing can connect with and anybody that's going through this kind of thing can have faith that what she's telling is the truth and that there is a solution for that. Right. Yeah. And that she is somebody that you can turn to. She actively said that. Yeah. She's, she's active on Instagram, reach out to her on Instagram. She's more than happy to, to talk to anybody that's struggling or that needs anything. On that matter, so are we at the Other Side of Hell podcast. Yeah. But it's so great to have this community here and this wonderful group of people that, that you know, are out there to make a difference and, and hopefully turn their negative into a positive. So, so thank you, Sarah. Yeah, thank you. That's what's up. Yeah, well, there you go, man. How'd, how'd you feel about talking about faith? Talking about faith. Yeah. I don't like it. I'd rather <laughs> just call it trust. Well, maybe we'll we yeah. gotta do a whole nother show on trust. I'll just trust. It's basically just gonna be you and about. me. We're gonna do trust falls the entire. Show. <laughs> some some of these topics be, based on my religious trauma are, are harder to talk about than others, because I want to be respectful of other people's faiths and beliefs. And you know, we have we have some listeners that are very active, and we have other listeners that aren't so active, and. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to shake the apple cart or, or take away from anybody's, you know, my experience is my own and, mm-hmm. and without it, I wouldn't be who I am. And so I appreciate, you know, everybody that listens, that puts up with my shit and, and, and allows me to grow organically through this stuff, you know, thank you for, for the help that you give me on that 
kind of stuff. And, you know, as, as time has gone on, I will say that, that my belief structure has changed from what it was when we started the show, you know, yeah, definitely some difference. Just based on the conversations that we have, I, I, I've, I've heard and noticed and, and, and a change in the way that you choose to talk about it. Yeah. And which is great, you know, like, I think that that's one of the, the key elements and the most important things about your journey is that you always remain open. I try. Yeah. I think it's important. Have faith in staying open. Well, I have faith in our friendship. <laughs> faith, faith in Jordan's decision to be back there. Yeah. Thank stuff. you, Jordan. You're the man. You are the man. Well, a good episode. Yeah. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Let's get out of here. Yeah. And with that, you are worth the work. We will see you on the other side. Boom. Boom.